Welcome to HUDCO Radio. I'm Jim Kennelly. Counties have long served as point-of-contact welfare agencies, the place where those in economic need come for help. In Hudson, welfare is part of a larger umbrella of initiatives to help clients develop work skills and self-sufficiency overseen by our Department of Family Services. Today, we'll talk first with Robert Martinovich, Director of the Department of Family Services, to discuss some of those welfare-to-work and workforce development initiatives. Then we will speak with Robert Knapp, Chief of the Division of Welfare, who will explain how today's welfare system works, what kinds of aid is available, how has that changed over the many decades of, ser- of his service in the division? And who is eligible and what they need to provide to qualify for benefits? Welcome, Director Martinovich. Thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here. Could you start by telling us how the Department of Family Services helps welfare clients become self-sufficient workers here in Hudson County? Well, the clients that walk into us, remember, we have two components. The general assistance, which is the single single person and the family unit. The single person comes in, we usually have the ages between 18 up to 65 in that range. That person walking in meets the requirements of having to establish their eligibility based on resources that Bob Knapp will go into more detail. But what we're looking to do for that person, if you're ready to work and don't have any restrictions based on medical components, we then set you up with some of our 18 vendors that we have that are out there that with a variety of services that we can provide. Uh, Medical billing, computer training, we have a solar panel program. These are all parts of where we can send people to learn a skill to make them self-sufficient. What we've been proud of in Hudson over the last 15 years or so, we've broken the cycle and tried to stop that individual where you hear the family members, the children were on welfare, the second generation. I've been a member of family services now coming up on 46 years, and sad to say I saw grandchildren that have made it on to us. We've stopped that. We don't see that cycle. We have a summer youth program where we put children to work in the summer that are TANF, which is the welfare with children. We put those children to work between the ages of 15 to 19. They have a summer job where they have income coming into them. That component of seeing that paycheck goes a long way to making them see that they can be self-sufficient and don't need to rely on a small amount of TANF cash. The to-work programs run the whole variety of, like I said, medical billing, computer training that serve the purpose from uh, a four-week program to a six-month program where we have the person in one of our schools. Uh, It usually runs between uh, 20 to uh, 24 weeks. They're there 35 hours and it's an intensive training component for them that once they've completed that program, the schools are now responsible for trying to do placement. A lot of our schools now are being able to place uh, people into these programs. My solar panel program, I like to tout out there as being one of the more successful ones, where I have some of those students that graduate making between 20 to $25 an hour. Wow. It's a large jump from their 100 to $200 a month in cash that a single point a person was receiving. For a mother of two that's receiving under $500 a month, 
they could be making that in a day uh, under these programs. Uh, the to work component is a requirement, but it's only when you're able to be a to work component person. If there's any physical, mental components, we monitor those out. The schools are also on service to notice. They're there with them 40 hours a week. We may see the person for one to two hours when they're making an application, but we'll make sure if they see something that may be a mental issue, health issue, uh, a sub substance abuse program, they contact the case managers, they're sent back. We have an SAI program that's a substance abuse initiative <clears throat> or a mental health initiative that the people are referred to that the state runs. So we try to be proactive on behalf of our clients. On the TANF mothers that come in, or TANF fathers, right. my majority of my population are TANF mothers, but I do have single uh, fathers that are out there with their children. But the TANF population has dwindled over the past 10 years, where, like I said, right now, we're down to under 1,500 TANF families uh, in the whole county of Hudson, where at one point, going back quite a few years, we did match over 22,000 families. Wow. We've become more of a Medicaid-driven. We handle all those programs. Uh, and SNAP, where we do have over 40,000 families that are still receiving SNAP benefits. And we'll talk with Bob Knapp yes, about that some more. and the requirements. But this is really interesting. Sometimes people think when you talk about um, uh, moving from welfare to work that you're talking about workfare, people digging ditches or doing menial labor. But what you're talking about is carefully selecting people into private industry training Absolutely. for good private industry jobs and also monitoring to make sure that we are not punitive. In other words, someone who has a mental health issue or has a substance abuse issue, that they're not on the same track as someone else, that they get help and move that Correct. way. Correct. They're, they're eliminated from that process. The restrictions on them not having to be put into to work activity. We'll do medica medical uh, evaluations if there's a physical or problem of that nature where the person can go to work. We're aware of that beforehand. Uh, and when we put these people in these programs that we're talking about, these aren't keeping you busy programs. We're looking to make sure we've broken that cycle and take you off having to be on any sort of assistance from us. And we've been very successful with that because we're putting the Department of Labor sends us what are the jobs that are out there that are high in demand. We're not looking to put someone in a job that we know isn't going to be in demand. Uh, we're looking at anything of where we're having a person that uh, the programs that are more prevalent right now, if the, the uh, industry for being out there that seems to be in high demand is warehousing is a high demand area. The medical field is a high demand area. Um, Social, uh, social services for the part of where we're looking at the hotel industry right. in Hudson has grown in large numbers, the number of hotels, uh, catering programs that are run by some of our uh, programs that are out there have increased dramatically where we put you into that tourism component or in the catering industry. These are high demand in industries that the Department of Labor has already told us that are the demand jobs that are out there. So we try to match them ahead of time. And we receive this on a yearly basis to know that these programs are the ones that we should be looking to set up 
for some sort of training. The state's analyzing the data. They're telling you what direction to go. And that's how we follow it. And then you use a concept, I understand, that is this one-stop concept. Correct. Uh, When a person comes in, talk about, I'm an individual, I'm struggling, and now I'm going to enter the system for the first time. What is the one-stop concept? How does it work? The one-stop concept in Hudson, luckily we have two sites set up. We're at 438 Summit Avenue in Jersey City and at 530 48th Street. The county of Hudson, being one of the larger counties, was in a position to set up two one-stops. One is really prevalent for Jersey City residents, which is the majority, and uh, the one at 530 48th Street serves the balance of county. But anyone can walk into either one, and the one-stop will provide some of these other services that may not be set up for a TANF for general assistance. So we're reaching out to the entire population. If you're looking for work, the one-stop will evaluate you. There are other programs that are run by the two one-stops are not driven by being eligible for TANF or general assistance benefits. The one-stop will do an evaluation, look at your resume, set up resume training, put you in some sort of job training component that may be to your advantage also. The one-stop means you can come in and see all the benefits that may be required to get you into a to-work activity. So essentially, if you're someone who may be struggling, the answer may not necessarily be to become a client. It may be that you have skills and need direction and connections that your your agency can provide. If you've been downsized in any sort of jobs that are out there, we get people that walk in that may be with a master's and they need to be retrained or reprogrammed into something else. This This field isn't going anywhere with me right now and I'm looking to go into something else. But those are the type of people we try to help at the one stop. And you don't, or you're working a part-time job and you're struggling on a 20-hour basis. You're not being able to make it and you're looking to get into a full-time employment, but what you're at now, you may be working at a warehouse 20 hours and you need to advance. And we have a career advancement program that we have people that may have been on public assistance. You've been working for four months. You can now be reached out by us and this career advancement program allows you to go back to training for an extended period of time. You've been off public assistance for four months and you're on your own, but to be able to advance in that field, you now can receive further training through this career advancement program. And that's really, I suppose, what workforce investment means. You invest in the people, their skills, you connect them, and then they're able to become, instead of clients, productive folks who pay taxes and are involved in the economy. That's the bottom line of what we're all about. Well, Robert Martinovich, director of the Hudson County Department of Family Services, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jim. Now Bob Knapp, chief of the Hudson County Division of Welfare, joins us. Bob, welcome. Good afternoon, Jim. I'd like to start by talking about what we offer through the Division of Welfare today. I imagine it's very different um, from, say, previous times. Well, if I may start off with a little background uh, Absolutely. for you. Um, uh, first of all, I've been uh, employed by the Hudson County, at that time, the old Hudson County Welfare Board, which was an autonomous agency. And in 1978, the, um, the county charter changed and created the Department of Family Services with the Welfare Division, making us a direct uh, component of county government. But if one was to go back 
into the history of, of public assistance, of, of welfare, not just in Hudson County, but in the entire country. Uh, welfare, the whole premise of welfare assistance started back in 1935 with the, social, the enactment of the Social Security Act. At that time, it was negative connotations, even the name, the- uh, The dole, uh, the, I think it was, Yes, right? that's correct. Yeah. It was called a dole, which gave mm -hmm. a real stigma mm -hmm. to people who were really in need of assistance. As we move forward, when I started in 1968 and into the, into the 90s, we had accumulated or, or our roles had the, the – let me just back up a minute. Sure. Before um, the programs changed names, uh, the family program with children was called uh, Assistance to the Family of Dependent Children. That's the AFDC. AFDC right. That's correct. Um, subsequently, the uh, program – because – that, that AFDC program actually promulgated and encouraged generations, as Director Martinovich uh, indicated, generations of people to remain on the public welfare system with little or no chance of employment or moving forward. The uh, state of New Jersey then changed that program back in the, uh, in the 90s to be called temporary temporary Assistance for Needy Families, or TANF, okay? Those are the programs. That program is designed to assist parents, whether it be a mother, a single mother, or a single father, or both parents residing together with dependent children up to the age of 18, okay? Um, the the um, food stamp, or what's now called SNAP, Supplemental Assistance for, uh, I'm sorry, Supplemental Assistance Program for, for Nutrition replaced the name of the food stamp program. The food stamp program did not come into effect until 1972. Hmm. They were, it was strictly cash assistance. The Medicaid program, as we know it today, also came into assistance in the early 70s, okay? Prior to that, there was no no uh, means to supplement a family with food or nutrition or medical care, okay? So in today's age, in today's uh, quest for assistance, assisting the people of Hudson County and the state of New Jersey, we are um, obligated to, as, as Director Martinovich indicated, to encourage and require part participants as long as the child is above five years old and this child care, and I'll go into mm -hmm. our component of child care and, and transportation expenses also. We are obligated under the rules, under the state rules, because we are state supervised. Right. All of the rules and regulations concerning our programs are promulgated by both the federal government for the SNAP program and for TANF and the other programs under the state program. So we are required to uh, request and demand almost that, that able-bodied again. Right. If a person is disabled, whether it be mentally or physically, or if they have minor children in the household under the age of five, they are not mandated to participate in the work component. But that component, which enabled, as Director Martinovich had indicated, has, en has enabled our roles to drop from 22,000 to the current 1,400, 1,400. And okay. if it was just punitive, 
it wouldn't be like that. But what's happened, it seems, is what you've managed with Director Martinovich is to help people make a real transition out of what you described, these generations of dependency. Is that That's a fair description? Cor- That's correct, Jim. And the components, okay, which is important to note, I believe, we're not just sending folks out for uh, minimum wage jobs. We are attempting to, as Director Martinovich indicated, the medical industry, the solar panels, jobs that are productive. Now, once a client is discharged from the TANF rolls, that does not end their Medicaid immediately. They are then eligible many times to continue on with SNAP. We provide transportation expenses for a period of time and the child care expenses, which we have a contract, the county has a contract with the Urban League of Hudson County to, to engage in the child care component. So we're talking about attacking a person's problems, a, a family's problems from many, many different perspectives. Financial, of course, nutrition, medical care, and then training and, and, the, work, and the work component. Okay. It's fascinating how, as I do these podcasts, how so many different elements of issues we deal with related to those who are vulnerable, people who have been inmates in prison, people who have been homeless, and now the economically vulnerable, those problems seem to be addressed, those challenges seem to be addressed by kind of an umbrella of services to support folks. To be less punitive and more supportive yields better results. Is that a fair statement? That's correct. And within our department and, and division, we have a whole gamut of services, okay? We, of course, as I said, indicate SNAP, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, the food stamp program, the Medicaid programs, and really, Jim, as you can tell by these numbers of cash assistance that has declined, our agency really, as every other, the other 20 county welfare agencies, have become really Medicaid and SNAP, okay? That's when an applicant reports or responds into our office, this is, these are the programs that they are, are uh, intent on being evaluated for. Now, you mentioned homelessness. We have a so, an entire social service component because we attack the program, not just the financial and the food and the medical. They have to have a place to live. Right. And many times, you know, and, and you know this area, the affordable housing is, is a very, very, it's, it's not existent. Exactly. I shouldn't even say that it's a problem. It's non-existent. So if we have a family who walks through our door and they are in imminent danger of eviction, we qualify them, we evaluate them for the cash assistance or, or the medical and the food stand and the SNAP, and we get them right to our social service unit. Our social service unit works on an emergency basis with the Y in Newark, in which we have a very, very successful contract in, in housing folks. We work with the, uh, the various shelters in, in, in Hudson County. And we then, we also have four caseworkers that are completely dedicated. It's called a rapid rehousing unit. Mm-hmm. And these workers work one-on-one with the families while they're in, whether it be the Hope House Shelter, the St. Joseph Shelter, the York Street Project, the Y in Newark. We work intensively with them. We have relationships with realtors and, and property owners that will, in fact, uh, receive our clients. We then evaluate them for what's called a transitional rental allowance. That's a T. It's more commonly known as a TRA. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a five-year program where, in fact, we will supplement. We have an agreement with the, with the property owner as long as it is within fair market value of what is, 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 is demonstrated by the state. We then assist the family with a portion of their rent. So, again, as you indicated, Jim, it's, it's, it's a, it's a five-to-eight-pronged sword in trying to assist people in, in this day and age. But the thing is, is that by doing that, we get great outcomes. You can you just look at where you've been on cash assistance versus where it is today. And you know what? I, I, we sat, I, I sat and Director Martinovich, we sat on several committees with uh, involving the homeless and where actual homeless uh, individuals and families were on this panel, right? And you know, I, I'll never forget this, where a, a mother of four children she said, and this is a quote from her, she, she said, you know, the most rewarding, the, the most uh, magnificent part of my life is when I had my own key to my own apartment. And we take, I think of that. when We, we take things for granted many times. Yeah. We go in our apartment or our home at night and we turn the key. There are many people who, who don't have that key to turn. And that's what we're about in Hudson County. Bob, could you talk a little bit about how the Division of Welfare uses Medicaid to help the elderly and disabled stay in their homes? Hudson County has an aging population. Uh, this, the, the last census and, and the current statistics show that uh, a great deal of our, uh, uh, many of our, our citizens are reaching that age where they need other types of services. Uh, the county, well, Hudson County Welfare administers a program, Aged, Blind, and Disabled. And that's just what it nomenclature is, mm -hmm. aged, blind, and disabled. We have the adult Medicaid programs. There are several programs for those individuals who require assistance in the home for home health care, where, in fact, the Medicaid program, upon being evaluated, will compensate for that program. We have those individuals who find it necessary, unfortunately, to place a loved one in a nursing home or a long-term care facility. And then we have the, um, the types of adult Medicaid programs where, in fact, the, uh, the Medicaid would tie in with the visiting homemaker services, the other types of services in the home. As you know today, the whole quest in the treatment or, or the care for the aged is to keep them home as long as possible. And that's why these long-term care programs integrated with many of the Medicaid programs will assist uh, uh, the eligible in that area. Uh, again, it's an application process. We deal mainly with the families because many times the applicant themselves is not able to interact. And we work hand-in-hand -hand with the families and, and a long-term if they, if they have engaged an elder attorney, uh, and again, these programs are, are extremely instrumental today to assist our aging and disabled population. Well, that's terrific. You know, but that's the that is definitely the thread that housing and medical insurance are the keys to stability to supporting individuals and families who otherwise might be in crisis. I wanted to move, though, if I could, to talk a little bit about some of the nuts and bolts of the welfare um, services apparatus. And I know that your staff uh, is you know, required to ensure that people who apply for benefits actually have a right to them. Uh, it's usually based on their economic need. I know you'll talk about how each case is different. But 
Uh, how do people uh, uh, who apply uh, document uh, their um, document their uh, right to these services? Are there forms they have to have? Can you give us some sense of what that's about? Yes, the forms, and as, as I said before, we are state supervised right. but county administered, okay? So we have basic applications for each of the programs. Many of the applications are the same, the same gist of information in a different format. We do require, though, and I have to make a point that we will assist families or individuals who do not have the required documents, okay, in, in obtaining these documents, right. okay? Uh, the basic, of course, the birth certificates of all family members, the social security cards, the, uh, the current uh, housing situation documented by either a lease or, or, or receipts or statements, notarized statements uh, from the landlord uh, or the owner of the property. And basically, and then income, okay? The, what we need, if, if, it's, if it's a snap case, that is looking for supplemental assistance and the family unit or the individual is employed, we need at least four consecutive pay stubs and verification from the employer on the, on the income entering the home. If it's a household that's receiving SSI or SS Social Security benefits, unemployment, or other type of, we call that unearned income, we then evaluate, and we have access into computer-wise into many of those systems where, in fact, the applicant or the client does not have to report to Social Security or report up to the unemployment. We can verify it. It's centralized. By, by way of a computer. Now, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the time frame. And obviously, there are different programs. Medicaid is one thing, SNAP another, TANF another. But from the day, let's imagine I'm a family member who knows that there's someone who maybe would benefit from one of these programs. From the time the person comes into your offices and you know presents their documentation or mails that documentation in, um, what's generally the time frame for some of these programs from the start of the process to when they might begin to see some kind of benefit? Coverage by Medicaid, um, getting that first uh, allocation under um, SNAP. Um, how does that work? What's the range? If I may. Um, if a family or an individual responds to our office and there's immediate need, right. we do have, as per the state, what's called an expedited SNAP benefit, where we expedite it almost immediately, as long as they can show the basic need. Again, that's for one month. Within that month period, time period, they would have to then provide the other type of verifications. Depending on the program, in most of our programs, there's a 30-day period of, uh, of a limit on making a determination, mm -hmm. whether we deny the case for whatever reason, grant it. Again, though, if I may just be emphasized that if, in fact, there's immediate need for housing, that's done that, that's completed that day. We, we refer them to the, um, the Y in Newark or a shelter. Again, we have that under the state regulations, that 30-day window of evaluation. However, we make every effort as long as we can document and, and, the, and the applicant does provide the necessary documentation, we can, we, we can grant it and we have granted cases within a one to two week period. So okay. these timeframes are narrow and for the truly acute or immediate cases, something can be hopefully done that day as that clock begins to run as documents get gathered and stuff like that. But the person or family doesn't go out 
without a roof over their head doesn't go out without maybe the opportunity to be able to make sure they get some kind of nutrition assistance. If a family walks into our office at 3.30 in the, in the afternoon and is, and is in an emergentic circumstance for housing, that's handled that day. Wow. We also have a contract, and this is in cooperation with the Hudson County Department of Health and Human Services under Director Tune. We have a working agreement with the 211 emergency call system. We have, and we've operated for the last 35 years, what's called the Hudson County Emergency Services Hotline, 24 hours a week, seven days a week, holidays, weekends, et cetera. In fact, at one time before we engaged 211, both Director Martinovich and I would carry the pager at that oh. time and respond to those calls and immediately place the family over the weekend or uh, uh, over the holiday weekend into an emergency situation, having them respond back on the next business day for, uh, for direct services. Uh, finally, if I could ask you, how can residents apply for services? Could you talk a little bit about where your offices are located and what's the appropriate phone number to call? Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Uh, we, our offices are located at Hudson County Plaza, which for, for many residents and, and know that's the, that's the old block drug company. We were able to, the county, uh, through the county executive and the freeholders, we, we were able to procure that, excuse me, that office uh, 10 years ago this right. month, okay? And that's at 257? Uh, 257 Corneliuson Avenue in Jersey City, mm -hmm. uh, about 10 minutes away from the Journal Square area. Right. Our phone number is 201-420-3000. We have a prompt that directs the caller to a call center. Uh, we will, and just if I may elaborate on, sure. on, the, on the application process. Please do, Bob. Client, persons that are disabled or elderly or for whatever reason homebound do not, and I emphasize this, do not have to physically respond to our office. That, uh, that human services aide that's on the uh, other line of that call center will take the individual's name, address, and determine what program it sounds they'd be eligible for, mail that application to the individual, and with a self-addressed stomped envelope in order that the person does not have to respond. If it is an emergency circumstance and the person indicates that, we will not wait for the mail back and forth. We will assign physically a, a caseworker, a representative, to, to visit that home within the next two or three days mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and then take that application and evaluate it in the home. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and it's a pleasure, and we thank you for your indulgence. You can learn more about uh, the Hudson County Department of Family Services on our website, HudsonCountyNJ.org. To keep up to date with county government news and announcements, please follow us on Twitter at HudcoTweet and Twitter.com. You can watch videos of county cultural and heritage affairs programming, news announcements, and other events on our YouTube channel, HudcoTV. And we're on Instagram with the handle HudcoInsta. Thanks, as always, to County Executive Tom DeGees and the Board of Chosen Freeholders, who sponsor, support, and direct all of the programs and services discussed on this podcast. Take care. <laughs>